The Square Peg Podcast. Mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started as always. The hashtag needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasos. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Sines are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and they rock out on the weekends. You can find them on the web at www.searchlightneedles.com. You can find them on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. And now, here's a message from one of the sponsors who make this program possible. Keith Johnson, owner of Camino Tattoo Studio, has been a professional licensed tattoo artist in Las Cruces since 2000. He does everything from American traditional to photorealistic tattooing, and he works by appointment only. Email him today to get your custom tattoo. You can find him at CaminoTattooStudio.com or from the bio in the link at www.CaminoTattooStudio.com. Of course, you can also find Camino Tattoo Studio on Instagram and Facebook. And just a little personal note for me, um, turning 48 here real soon, didn't get my first tattoo until about two years ago. And um, while Keith didn't do that one, he's done three since then. And uh, I've been going through this kind of transition, you know, in my later 40s, if you will, and uh, made some changes to my fitness, to my, my supplementation and my diet. And I've seen some big changes in my body. And I'll tell you, I've never loved my body. I probably never will. But with the changes I've made and the artwork that Keith has uh, been able to put on my body, learning to hate it a little bit less every day. So if you want to be uh, like me and get some good artwork on you, give give Keith a, an email uh, and, and go get your the tattoo. The Peg Podcast. My guest today is a fellow 1992 graduate of George C. Marshall High School in, well, we know it's Fairfax County, Falls Church, Vienna, Tyson's Corner. I don't know what the exact mailing address is. Uh, but from there, she went on to the University of Delaware and since then has been a resident of Baltimore, Maryland, a registered nurse who has worked in several different uh, medical settings. And now she works in a cosmetic surgery practice in Baltimore, and we're going to have a really cool episode and talk about a whole bunch of really cool things. Kara Bagranoff, welcome to the Square Peg Podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's good to talk to you. What did, what did I get right and what did I get wrong? <laughs> you got it all right. You got okay. it all right. Okay. I wanted to make sure I got it all, and I still, we'll, we'll talk when we get to that point, we'll talk about what your exact title is, and, and if you, of course, if you want to plug your clinic and everything like that. But um, sure. Sure. You're, you're freezing your nagas off right now. You're in Michigan with the hubby, right? Oh yeah, uh-huh. I flew in last night and it was negative five. And that's so why I'd rather be there where you are. <laughs> and that's why I live in the desert, desert Southwest because we don't have that type of weather here. Right. I'm going to say you must really love him, and I have not met this guy, but <laughs> that's what I say every day. I, especially, oh, I'm sorry, I should say that between like October and about April in Michigan. I must really love you to come see so much. Well, I mean, just an idea. I think the visit should be him going to at least to Baltimore during those those months uh, and not the other oh, way around. he definitely does. He definitely does. He definitely does, yeah. yeah. That's, that's definitely good. So my understanding is you have, uh, first of all, I want a little program note here. If you have not watched and just like that yet, um, there could be some major spoilers here. So if anybody is <laughs> watching or waiting to watch the, I don't even know, is it a, 
What do you call it when you do a, a second? It's only a reboot. Is it a reboot? Okay. And I don't. They're calling it. Maybe they're getting better branding by changing the name, kind of like when Michael Jordan retired and then came back and changed his jersey number. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think you and I both uh, are aficionados of the original run of Sex and the City. Uh, I saw both of the movies. I think the second one was kind of unnecessary. Are you with me on that, or how do you feel mm-hmm. about that? I, I don't even think I saw the second movie. I saw the first one, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm kind of done. Yeah, that that was good enough. But anyway, for those of you who have, are planning on watching and just like that, uh, you may not want to listen to this episode because the way this is going to go, and I and I had this idea a couple weeks ago when I approached you, um, we're going to book club the episode, and there were a couple of things that came up that uh, anybody who reads any kind of I don't know, Entertainment Weekly or uh, any any kind of uh, e-entertainment television. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Kristen Davis, uh, who plays who plays uh, Charlotte York, and um, I, I found some great things to to, to critique. And we're going to book club uh, this season of and just like that, and then we're going to segue into uh, talking about the the blow how how cosmetic surgery and cosmetic treatments have kind of blown up and become very popular and how some people over or and or underdo them. And Kara's going to lend her expertise to us. Um, are you, How far up to date are you? Because we just watched Thursday night, we watched episode nine of a 10-episode season. I just finished episode nine last night on my flight here. Okay, fantastic. That is so awesome. So general, just give me your general impression of, of, of plot lines of what you think of, of what they're doing with the show. So um, I... I, I, I like what they're doing. Um, I think I understand. When I first heard critique of it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch it. I think a lot of people were saying that it's, um, it's trying to be very relevant and very woke, if you will, to all the issues that are going on today. Having said that, what I really appreciate about the show is that it is, the well, focus of it is aging women and trying to navigate their issues that they're they're going through via family or physical appearance or marriages and i really do like what they're doing with it so as the show's gone i've actually liked it even more yeah i you know i've talked about this with the wife and and you know we're both first of all the fact that it's on you know hbo max the the original show was on hbo they're able to push the envelope more than they could um word on network television um, yeah, and I even feel like, and, and I think you and I are on the same page here, we're very pretty progressive, um, and, and I don't have an issue with people talking about, you know, woke shit, and, and, and I consider myself, you know, up until like last year, I didn't know that woke was kind of a pejorative, I, I thought it was like a positive thing, like super progressive, but apparently you can be too progressive, and and so, yeah, I mean, it's not good enough that they have one non-binary character, um, now Charlotte and Harry have a child who uh, is, mm-hmm. I don't know how old the child is, maybe 13 or 14, and, and, and they're mm-hmm. now uh, assigned female at birth and, and now identifying as male. Um, I don't know how necessary that was, because like I said, you already have one non-binary character. Um, but its uh, I don't think there are too many surprises, and I don't know if it's because Cynthia Nixon was, was pretty public about um, coming out as a lesbian. And I don't know if that was before or after the show ended, but I kind of, it was kind of obvious to me that she was going to go the direct, that her character went the direction it did. Were you surprised by that at all? Um, you mean as far as this episode or this season compared to the original season? Well, the fact she's that she's been out for a while. 
Right, she, but her character wasn't. Oh, correct, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I just kind of, when that happened, I saw it coming from a mile away, first off. And second of all, I'm like, it's almost, it was almost predictable that she was going to, that the writers were going to do that for her. I don't know. I, I just curious about your it would make sense that she would be the person they would have that but also her um relationship with her husband from the beginning was kind of fraught with uh, uh difficulty i think and so i what i appreciate it coming from also coming from a position of someone who is divorced that i get the stuff that she was going through or that they were going through as a couple um becoming a middle-aged person and realizing that your relationship is, is become this like roommate thing. The interesting piece of it is that she gravitated toward an, a non-binary person. And, um, yeah, I guess it's a I get, maybe that's a little, eh, it's a little obvious. Like they kind of did that on purpose, but I, I appreciated it. Yeah. It's not. And, and I, I felt so bad for Steve because he's he's honestly probably one of the most lovable characters on that show. Like you can't not love Steve. Um, But they do. It really is weird because they touch on what they do a good job of, whether it's Miranda and Steve or Charlotte and Harry or even Carrie and Big. It's it's so relatable to all of us, Mm -hmm. whether you're married or divorced or single, just the whole middle aged relationship thing. Mm -hmm. Um it's 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 so relatable and i think they did a they actually did a really good job with the three mm-hmm. or four mentioned couples all being in different kind of situations um now i what i what i want to talk about is i, I actually want to go through before we we get into the actual cosmetic part of things i want to go through all the characters i just learned literally the other day that the reason they killed big off in episode one was because the actor chris noth actually had Mm. Two two allegations of sexual misconduct or, or, or something like that. Were, were you aware of that? Mm-hmm. So I I wasn't entirely sure that that's why they chose to do that, but I learned about the allegations at the same time that they started the show. So okay. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Now, I I don't know how to feel. Do you think that is taking cancel culture a little too far? Uh, again, I don't know what they're... What their thought process. I mean, I'm kind of assuming based on how the whole season's going, there's a lot of grief involved in the whole season too. Like Carrie's grief is, is touched on every episode. So maybe it was always an intent to do that at the beginning and to have a shock at, you know, they kind of have to do that at the GO. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, as soon as I hear of somebody doing something gross in Hollywood, I, my gut as a woman is like, come on, really? Like, do we have to keep doing this? But are you surprised? I mean, dealing with it? are we surprised though? Really. Like, I mean, it's Hollywood. <laughs> no. It's Hollywood. And, yeah. and maybe, you know, I, I don't want to, and I don't want to, to, to not do justice to or not take seriously the whole Me Too movement. But my, my general feeling about cancel culture, I'm much more comfortable with it with regard to what they've done with like the Aunt Jemima brand and some of a contrary to what a lot of critics think some of the, the Dr. Seuss books, I'm a little bit more uh, open-minded when it comes to, you know, people like Nick Cannon and ice cube and some of these people who have been canceled for things they've said, or you find out somebody said something mm-hmm. 20 years ago and you have to cancel them forever. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more forgiving, maybe not right away, but yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to touch on that. Now, continuing on, as far as, you know, another character who actually, you know, got got written off, uh, Stanford Blatch. Um, mm-hmm. 
trying to think of the actor's name right now. He uh, it's a Willie Garson. Um, turns out he had a really fast uh, and really quick bout yeah. with, with pancreatic cancer, um, mm-hmm. which kind of annoys. Like, of course, you, you can't do anything about that because the actor died. But if I had to write mm-hmm. either him or his husband out, I'd, I'd write the husband right. out. Uh, Mario Cantone right. is the actor, and I, I again, I'm I'm forgetting. I always think of him by his act, the actor's name. I don't I don't think of him by uh, the character. I hate him. <laughs> on the on the show, you hate him. On, on, oh, on the okay. show, he's such a. I mean, he okay, and purposely yeah, so, he represents <laughs> purposely so. I mean, I think this is obviously intentional, but he represents the worst stereotype of a middle aged gay man in New York. Like he's he's mm. such a he's a bitch. He's fake like he's judgmental i mean all of the things and then stanford and they're like you just want to give stanford a hug like he's the most lovable guy you know you can't and stanford and I, can be a little judgy and bitchy too don't you know like that's i listen i can say i have a lot of of middle-aged gay male friends and patients so i i kind of get it like i understand where it's coming from it's not inaccurate and they would say that too they're like yeah yeah, no, I, I get it. And I think when you're talking about characters on television shows, you really have to you have to play up some of the you have to make their character. And and I had actually forgotten that they got married. And I don't know if that was in the original series or in one of the movies. Um, I don't love it. Maybe a movie. It, needless to say, Stanford is the much more likable uh, person in that relationship. But he's off in China managing some Jojo Siwa's career or whatever the hell, he, whatever the hell they decided he was going to do. <laughs> um, Steve, what are your impressions of Steve? Oh, um, like, again, likable, like you feel badly and I don't know. I, I, I kind of always found his character kind of annoying to be honest with you. <laughs> like likable. Yes. But it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Or Miranda, who's so like such a, a strong female character to have that as her husband has always kind of bothered me a little bit. Yeah, I, I guess we can say that Steve didn't change at all. He's still Steve. But I remember mm-hmm. we, when they the first scene they show, my wife and I are both kind of look at each other and like, oh, God, we love Steve. He's just just this love, lovable guy. <laughs> He's cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, while we're on the, the Brady family, um, God, I don't mm-hmm. want to be judgmental, but do you want to talk about the actor that plays Brady, their 17-year-old son? Oh, ooh, yeah. Um, no, I'm going to be judgmental. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know where to go with that. Like, he makes me definitely looking at him makes me feel better about myself. But if you're gonna if you're gonna have a character that's 17 years old that's stooping his girlfriend every other minute and she's I hot, know. You, you might want to make him look like somebody who would actually get make him hot. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. And and I, know. I hope to God that whoever that actor is never listens to the Square Peg podcast because I know. I, and I don't want to be mean, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> Um, yeah. what, what, I'm, are you surprised, uh, that Aiden has not made an appearance? Uh, oh, um, yeah, I was waiting for that one. I was actually kind of waiting for that to come around. I don't know if they want to stir up the whole, I mean, again, also Samantha didn't come back. So you don't know which actors and actresses they were able to, to bring back from the original show. Um, I like that they brought Carrie's whole wardrobe back. That was fun. Like just to watch her. Yeah, I don't. As a male, you may not have gotten that, but there were a lot of clothing in there that she actually wore in the original season. I did that. I, that was totally I, flew over my head. I didn't know that. That was cool. <laughs> that was really cool. I read it somewhere first while I was waiting for it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'll remember that dress. Anyway. Now, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. I liked him. I think everybody likes John Corbett, although I've heard in real life he, mm-hmm. he had a band and they came through and played here and somebody went to see him and apparently he's not 
as likable as a, of a human being as the characters. Oh, oh. I, you know, I got used to him as Chris in the morning on Northern Exposure. Um, and then I he, loved Northern Exposure. Right. Loved it. <laughs> and um, loved it. So, so then there is, and, and one, one thing I noticed the other night is, uh, and I don't know the name, Randa's professor and her husband who are, you know, they're, oh, right. they're, they're doing the, the, they're having the infertility thing. And, you know, I've dealt with that in my own private life. And, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it's funny the one of the things you learn on, you know, message boards or whatever social media, when you're dealing with talking to other people dealing with that, one of the things that you learn very early on is don't be judgmental and don't judge people about how they decide mm-hmm. to grow their family. And mm-hmm. in my family, we decided it was right for us. Adoption was right for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know some other people who were in the same situation who chose to some people like us. It was just important to, to parent children. That was the most important thing mm-hmm. to some women. They really have to carry a child, even if that's not their biological. If they have they do in vitro with a donated egg. Um, to some mm-hmm. people it's having a biological child, like it's all these different things, but I really was, couldn't stop thinking during that, those scenes the other night, you know, it'd be nice if you had mentioned the word adoption. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there is the adoption option. Yep. You know, you don't just have to, it's not either we parent or you have an unplanned, you know, pregnancy. It's not just you either parent or you terminate you, the adoption is the third option. So I was a little annoyed that they hadn't brought that up, but you know, maybe that's just me, you know, but yet. Maybe they're going to do it. <laughs> and maybe they will. We've got one more episode this yeah. season. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, the three main characters, is there really any, there's really no difference uh, in their characters. Uh, no, we haven't talked about Harry, Harry Goldenblatt. Tell me, tell me oh, your, your thoughts. Harry. You love Harry. Harry's probably one of my favorite characters in the show, the first season and the second season. What I love about him is that he seems like he is, I mean, he's a goober. Like, look, he's, he's, but he is unabashedly himself throughout all the seasons. And she, and Kristen Davis's character, adores him. Just adores him. And I, I like that. I like that, that you have a male who doesn't, is not a big, Mr. Big. He's not gorgeous. He's, he's him. And I like that he's kind of like, there's something sexy about him. That's int- that's that's interesting too. You would date Harry Goldenblatt. <laughs> I would. I would totally date Harry. I it, would. It doesn't hurt that he's a high-powered, wealthy attorney. Yeah, but he's I, smart. But he's smart. I think that makes yeah. him. So, in your eyes, that makes him attractive. <laughs> good. That's good mm-hmm. to know. Now, again, I don't know that we can. I we need to really separate. You know, Carrie, Miranda, and and Charlotte. Um, their characters uh, against what what I really want to talk about and what where we're going to really. Mm-hmm. Really, the the biggest idea of this episode is middle aged women and plastic surgery or or cosmetic mm-hmm. procedures. Um, I'll I'll go through. Let's talk about. I'll talk about Carrie first, and I'll get your you know your opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah Jessica Parker is Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, mm-hmm. It really the original run, the original series. It was whatever, however she was dressed and however she was made up. Um, God, there were some episodes where, honest to God. Um, she was wank inspiring, um, you know, and, she, and yeah, I just said that. Um, well, what the hell? It's my podcast. I can say that. Yes, she's inspired a wank or two. Um, but then there were other episodes where she was, you know, that old joke of a horse walks into a bar and the bartender says, why the long oh, face? Yeah. You know, and, she um, her back. <laughs> and, and, and Carrie, it, it just, it was just amazing to me. And so fast forward, um, I'm, I would imagine she's had work done, but 
it's been classy and it's been she looks like mm-hmm. she has glided into her 50s and she really mm-hmm. does look like the characters. There are some episodes here where she looks very like fantastic and then some she looks like Sarah Jessica Parker. Like there's mm-hmm. really no other way to to say it. What, mm-hmm. What's your take? Yeah, I agree. She um, I I have known of Sarah Jessica Parker since she was very young. Like I watched her back in the day um, on square pegs. Really, that and um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is an extremely obscure movie. But oh, no, I love that movie. If you have a chance. Oh, love it. I, I've always liked her. She's just likable, but she's not classically beauty. Right. Yeah, beautiful. She's right. just, she's a little off-looking, and that's what makes her, I think, attractive. I like that she has always managed to sort of stay with that. She ta- obviously takes good care of herself. She's very fit. Um, she's, you know... She does. She does something for herself that I don't think. I, I, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think she's done a whole lot. You don't think so? Physically, it's not a lot. And it, I, I don't know if they're doing it. I was thinking about this as I was watching the episodes through. The, I'm trying to think if they have. I'm just going to use Botox as an example because it's a it's a quick procedure and it only lasts a certain amount of time. So for for her and also for Cynthia Nixon. They don't look like they've done any Botox. When you look at them, you can see their forehead lines. You can see in between their brows, they've got little crinkles. They're moving around. That's someone who doesn't look like they've had Botox. It's possible that they have in the past, and I haven't gone back to look at pictures or anything like that, that they held it for the show so that they, they're kind of avoiding doing certain things because they want to look their age. Okay. I, I, know, I have actually a couple clients that are actresses that, purposefully do that they either do a very very small amount of botox or they avoid using it altogether for a a period of time so that they quote unquote look their age okay okay yeah you know and you know moving on to miranda um i Mm -hmm. honestly think of the three of them she's not i'm not saying she's the best looking but i think she looks the best Mm -hmm. she was a moderately attractive woman 20 years ago um i really like what she's done with her hair it's 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 gray but it's i like it you know, um, again, like Sarah Jessica Parker, consistent. She she looks mm-hmm. about what she looked like twenty years ago, just twenty years older, and and older. well, yep. and these are all women. These characters are all very well to do. You know, they get facials mm-hmm. every quarter. They have the access to the best products. They you know they t- and they can dress well. Um, how you dress? You know, I always thought I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but I've always believed that Rachel Green was more attractive than Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. Jen- and Jennifer Aniston's yeah, a beautiful yeah, yeah. woman, okay. but the way that they made her up on Friends and the way they did her makeup and her clothing, um, and mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, all three of these women on the show have access to that. So I think Cynthia Nixon or, you know, Miranda's character that looks fantastic. Like I said, she's not the best looking, but she looks the best. Um, what do you think? But she's always looked like that, too. You're right. Yeah, and her teeth are not perfect. Like, um, she's not, she doesn't have classic leading lady, you know, features. Um but I don't know. What's your take? I um, I, I agree. I, I like that they spent the first part of the first episode talking about her gray. Because that is a big issue amongst women my age. We're all deciding, do you want to fight it? Or do you want to just embrace it and go with it? If I could gray like she's graying, I would go gray. And what's really ironic is that I work with a bunch of, a lot of millennials and younger ladies who now are going for a, a blondish gray thing 
Like, that's kind of hip now. And so to see it, it's like, yeah, but she looks really hip. And her little short haircut is adorable. Well, you don't um, think... But she's still herself. You don't think her hair, that's her natural color. It, there's, something, there's been something done to it. Something's been done to it. Oh, okay. sure. Yeah, okay. even gray women do stuff for their hair. Yeah. Do you think there's a difference between w- women going gray and men? And how it's perceived? Um, well, I will say, so when I look at Steve, the thing that ages him the most is his gray hair to me. That's interesting. It makes him look, um, it makes him look oof, more tired maybe, or maybe it's hard to describe why. Maybe it's a, a lighter skin man looking okay. gray. Okay. I think in some people like Chris knows when you see him like a little salt and pepper. Yeah. It's totally handsome. Salt and pepper on a woman is not as attractive. You know, it's Sorry funny. You, it's funny you mention that because I don't know if you've seen my Instagram story yet, the one I put up last night. But I just, in the last six months, started getting a little bit of gray in my facial hair, and I've got this soul yeah. patch. And um, mm-hmm. I had to drop a just for men bomb on it the other night, which I do every three weeks or so. <laughs> yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. I actually have been doing for years because the part that grows right below my bottom lip is actually a lot lighter than the rest of my hair. So I just wanted to keep it even. Mm-hmm. But um, I, mm-hmm. I um, and I, you know what? I actually just found the first two gray hairs on my head and my right sideburn, I had to pluck them out the other night. Um, but I want, let's continue on because I want to talk about really the, the, the main inspiration for this episode, Charlotte York. Um, the actress mm-hmm. is Kristen Davis. Um, I fell in love with Charlotte York during the first run. Um, there's something about her and, and Kristen Davis is a beautiful woman, but I really realized how good of an actress she is when I saw her on Letterman or one of these shows and she's not being Charlotte York. She's being herself. And I notice she's not as cute. Whatever little oh. facial expressions she makes or the intonations yeah. of her voice that I fell in love with on the show is that's not Kristen Davis. And, and this is how much I pay attention to detail. When she would make a little, a little scrunch, she would scrunch up her nose and she would mm-hmm. get a little wrinkle r- right <laughs> on the inside of her right eye on the, on the side of her, the bridge of her nose. And, I, mm-hmm. and that, that's what, honestly, to me, one of the most endearing things about her character. That's one of the things I fell in love with. She doesn't do that when she's not being Charlotte York. So, like, little things mm-hmm. like that, to me, really kind of made me think, wow, she really is that good of an actress. But in all honesty, mm-hmm. these women, I, I would not be into a Charlotte York in real life. She's a rich bitch. She's a, she's a real <laughs> housewife of New York who lives in Manhattan in weekends and summers in the Hamptons. Like, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I am I am a middle mm-hmm. class, middle of the road suburban. Like I, c- I can't handle high maintenance women like that. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, a joke that that my wife and I have had for years since since the first run. Um, I think we met right after the first run ended. Um, it, the the joke is, you know, this beautiful woman falls in love with a not so leading male looking Jewish guy, um, and that kind of mirrors our own <laughs> our own <laughs> relationship. And that's kind of been our own little joke, but. Bringing us to what we want to talk about. Kristen Davis looks mm-hmm. effing ridiculous Different. now. So you think, okay, so here's my question for you. Um, I didn't really start watching the show until after you and I had talked about it, and you said, I don't like it, something's wrong. And when, so I really wanted to try to be objective because it's very easy for me. Like all my friends, when I'm watching an award show, they're like, what has she had done? What has she had done? You know what's, what's going on. And so I was trying to be objective. Um, I don't personally think she looks terrible. I think she does look different. And the other thing I notice is that she sounds different. I don't know if you noticed that. 
that was the first thing I noticed was that something in her tone, there's something in her speech that sounds off to me. Do you think it's because the fillers she's gotten in her lips that it's changing the way her, like the, the, the sounds coming out of her mouth? Typically when you're talking about filler versus Botox, filler, um, which is what you would use to, you know, fill someone's lips, make them larger. That is, um, not going to interfere with your speech as much because it's flexible and it kind of moves with your body, but Botox does. And so I'm wondering if maybe she's had some Botox done either in the, in her jawline or in her lip area that has interfered with her speech a little bit. Cause that, that's where I kept seeing, I couldn't stop like, is, am I hearing things correctly? Does she always have that list? Like something sounds off to me. I, no, my, um, no, my wife so noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. No, she noticed and that. So that's possible. And so, in any way, her face is round. She you knows she used to have mm-hmm. these cheekbones, and you know, um, her lips. I don't think ever stood out to me, um, even though that's definitely a feature. I love her big brown eyes, um, but now mm-hmm. her face is so effing round, and her lips are huge. She doesn't look like herself. My first thought is she looks beyond ridiculous, and she honestly reminds me of of some people I know in, in, in my own life who. Um, I don't think they're quite as old as she is, but kind of brings us to really to what we're talking about today. You have somebody who's been beautiful their whole life. And in this mm-hmm. case, Kristen Davis is a woman. She's a, men have been falling at her, you know, at her feet for, for her whole life. And then she gets to middle age and she starts to age. And mm-hmm. part of me, um, the empathetic part of me wants to be like, Hey, Girl, I get it. I know what it's like to not be happy with what you see in the mirror. I've been dealing with that for 48 years. Um, I get you. And, yeah, you do you. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, we'll talk about this, but I think when you do cosmetic procedures, you got to do it for you and not for other people. The other part of me is like, ha-ha, bitch. You know, welcome to real life. Welcome to what the rest of us have dealt with. You've been beautiful your whole life. Now, you know, welcome to the club. Um mm-hmm. So this is, I guess, the part of the episode where I do the not so big reveal and explain why you're you're my guest and how you're the you're the square peg because you're not like these women. Mm-hmm. Take you back to September 1987, the first time I met Cara, first time I met Kara Bagranoff. I honestly mm-hmm. don't. I, did you go to Kilmer in seventh grade? I did. Mm-hmm. I, had, I have no memory of you then. I remember meeting I you. I was trying to remember if you and I remembered each. Uh, we went to school. To, uh, to middle school together. I couldn't remember. Yeah, no, we did. But I remember meeting you in math class. You sat next to me. And what I'm about to say, I'm saying 100% from the perspective of a 13-year-old boy. Because if I say it as a 48-year-old man, <laughs> I would have to investigate myself. Um, wh- what I remember is, now your hair was a lot lighter back then. Were you, would you call yourself a blonde back no. then? I was, I can tell you without a doubt, I was probably bleaching my hair back then. Okay, you were blonde. In, eight, in 87, sure. <laughs> That sounds about right. But what I remember is, and I I don't know how cool I was in high school. I sure as shit wasn't cool in middle school. Um, But what I remember is this girl sitting next to me with this blonde hair. And again, perspective of a 13-year-old boy, you were pretty developed. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big boobies. Um, Correct. And I'm like, (laughs) but you you were as cool as could be. Down to earth. Nothing fake, nothing phony. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, this really pretty girl is like nice to me and we're friends. And like, so, so that's what really struck me. And you have been, and of course we talked about this last week. I haven't seen you. I think the last time I saw you was the, 
New Year's Eve party you threw 92, 93, right after we graduated. The, Probably. The New Year's Eve after we graduated high school. And by the way, I think, uh, did Boris, Larry Bagranoff go out of town a lot? Because you seem to have a lot of major ragers at that house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll, bring, well, we can. <laughs> that was not my dad's house, actually. That was my mom and my stepfather's house. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. But. That is a whole other episode. But I think that's the last time I saw you because I haven't been to any, any high school reunions. But I know. thankfully, because of social media, we're able to keep up with each other. You've, you've maintained. You're, you're a beautiful woman. You've been able to maintain that look your whole life. But unlike Kristen Davis, you haven't gone apeshit with mm-hmm. the procedures um well thank you <laughs> you are quite welcome Kara. very nice to say um but so so you're like in that regard for somebody who gets to middle age and now has to start dealing with oh wait a second i'm i don't look this way anymore mm-hmm. um you've decided to take a much more uh reasonable approach to to your your to your cosmetic care mm-hmm. tell me what, what is your job title and tell tell me a little bit about the the medical practice where you work Sure. So I work for a, com- a practice called Belcara Health. Um, it's evolved from a small plastic surgery practice over the years. I started with them in 2004 as a nurse, um, working primarily as my um, boss, Dr. Cohen, is he's the owner of the practice, working as his nurse side-by-side the office to help him with procedures and um, pre- and post-op care. But then at that time, that was when these um, non-surgical procedures were getting popular. So Botox was getting popular. Fillers were getting popular. Lasers were starting to come out. And so they, plastic surgeons typically don't have as much time to do those things. Their time is best spent in the operating room. So they wanted to train someone, and that was me at the time. I was the only nurse that worked in the office. So I started learning these procedures, and um, we... Over the over the years, have evolved as a practice adding surgeons. Now we have combined with dermatology, with ophthalmology, with uh, wellness. That's become a newer, more popular trend in, in aesthetic medicine. And so, I guess you could call my 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 title now. Um, I'm a, a um, specialist of of injectable specialist and, and laser specialist. Uh, it's kind of hard because in aesthetics, there's not really a uh, an exact term for what I do. It is it started out as sort of the Wild West. There were just people sort of doing it, and it depended on the state. The state laws are all different. But in Maryland, it's pretty strict, and I have to operate under the authority of a physician, which I always have physicians in our office. Our, our medical director is Dr. Cohen. So he oversees what I do, but we are primarily involved in just doing those procedures all day long from start to finish. So I've done nothing but that for probably 16 of the 18 years that I've worked in aesthetic medicine. Wow. And had a chance to see it from the ground up, like literally from its birth, practically. Um, It it sounds to me that you say you obviously have to work under the direction of a medical doctor, but it also sounds like you have quite a bit of autonomy as well. In my practice, in my in my particular practice, I do. I mean, Dr. Cohen oversees everything I do to make sure that I always have backup. We we are extremely safe. We're extremely conservative as a practice. We don't do things that are unsafe. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of litigation in medicine, aesthetic medicine specifically too. And there are because there are so many different people doing it now. I mean, if you 
I'm just going to use California as an, as an example. From what I understand of their laws in California, kind of anybody can do it. it. used to be like you just had to have a pulse and you could inject Botox. <laughs> and there are places on every corner doing it. So well, there's a lot of competition for it. Right. And I think I mentioned to you before, um, I noticed I've, I've been to the same, the same primary care physician for probably 15 years. Lovely, lovely Indian lady. Um, her toenails match her outfit almost every time yeah. I go. And, I, and I, I look forward to noticing that. I'm not going to say her name because I don't want her to hear this. But um, I noticed a couple of years ago that there are little ads in the office for Botox. And she's an internal medicine, you know, with a, a weight management special, uh, you know, specialty uh, and endocrinology, I think. Um, I went to I, I actually consulted with you about uh, some something I wanted looked at. And I made an appointment with a, a large dermatology practice here. And when I went to their website, I noticed not only are they doing what you would expect from a dermatologist's office, but they've got an, a complete menu uh, of injections and this, and they even do like cool sculpting. So I would, it's getting very competitive. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, you know, my uncle was a cosmetic surgeon. I retired maybe 12, 14 years ago. And I remember my, my aunt was the business manager. She ran the office. And I remember them saying, everybody's getting into this. It's very competitive nowadays because good bit of what you do, if not all of it is, is, out of pocket, it's cash. You're not dealing with insurance companies. It's all cash. Yeah. So, so everybody yeah. wants to get into that. Now, Kara, um, and of course, I got your permission to ask you this. Share, mm -hmm. share with us what procedures you have had and what you do to maintain, um, in a very classy and very understated way, your your look that you've always had. Sure. So, um, when I started, I was I was thirty. I'm forty eight now. Um, I started in the office. I cannot say that I would have maybe tried some of the stuff that I was trying unless I worked in the practice, because frankly, think these things are expensive. It is expensive to do Botox. It's expensive to have fillers done. Um, surgery is definitely a, a bigger jump, but I had the opportunity to do it. So, well, you know, I'm going to try it. Also, I like to be able to explain to patients what's being done from a, like a, I have had this done. Exactly. This is what I've done before. So they can see, they look at my face and they go, oh, okay, uh, all right, you won't look weird or freakish. That's, that's a selling point. So I always tried these things. So when I first started, I was 30 years old. Now, granted, at the time, this is pretty young for a person to start doing some Botox, but I did. And I, I did some fillers. Usually younger people start with their lips. You know, that's just kind of an area that started to become popular. Um, and then skincare is another piece of it that we do. So peels, um, maybe some there's some laser procedures that you can do for the sun damage that we all did back in the you know to ourselves back in the 80s. So those were the things that I dabbled with when I was a little younger. Um, then I had children. So children do a, God bless them, they're wonderful, but they do a, a damage to your body. And um, I had a Dr. Cohen did a tummy tuck for me. Gratefully, I was always happy with, as we said before, we brought up my boobs, but we'll just bring them <laughs> up again. I was fine with those, so I left those alone. Those yeah. are still me. Um, but my tummy, I, I, had, I was felt conscious about. So, you know, they repair the muscle, which is important, and they take away the skin, which also feels good. That's, um, that's interesting. So, I didn't know they do anything to the muscles mm -hmm. on tummy tucks. Oh, yeah. So a lot of what happens to during pregnancy is just damage that you, there's no way you're going to fix that yourself. It is a weakening of the muscle wall that then creates, for some women, they still feel pregnant after they've had their children. And it is, 
almost impossible to get that back. You're not going to get that back with crunches. I don't care how many, how much exercise you do. Cause I exercise every day, every day now, but I, I exercised back then, but you're not going to be able to get that back yourself. So they literally take almost like a, it's a big suture and they pull your muscle wall back together. So you are almost like having a, almost like a corset, you know, it oh, gives wow. you the structure back. It's cool. It's really, it's, I think it's really cool. And that gives you a lot of confidence. And that then in turn made me want to do more for my physical being. So I ended up doing a lot more exercise to maintain that result. Cause I felt, I felt good about myself. Yeah. It, it is amazing how you, um, when you start to see some results, it, it actually motivates you even more. And I know mm-hmm. that you, you know, just from, you know, from Instagram and Facebook posts, you're, mm-hmm. you're obviously keeping on top of your, of, of your fitness. Um, it, now is what percentage of your clientele are male versus female? Um, now I would say it is probably close to 80 female, 20 male, I would think. It's still predominantly female, but when I started, it was like 95, 5%, I would say, okay. in our practice. I don't know if that's, you know, it's probably different in, in different regions of the country, but in Baltimore, definitely it was more, more, it's always been more female than male. Okay. Now the, the difference in types of procedures they're having. Um, men tend to gravitate toward like non-surgical procedures. I would say, right. Botox and filler, that's probably equal for, for the procedures that are being done. Um, more female cool sculpting. So something like a, a non-surgical fat reduction, that's going to be more female still. Um, and then skincare aesthetic stuff is going to be more female. Surgery wise, men tend to gravitate toward eyelids, uh, um, Liposuction is probably more common for men. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was, I was. I was actually thinking more just for facial stuff like skincare. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, um, and, I, and my wife keeps telling me that karma's going to kick me in the nuts eventually for saying this. Um, <laughs> I by no means would ever claim to have hit the genetic lottery, but I did luck out in the sense that, you know, my dad will be 81 this year and his hairline is the same place mm-hmm. it was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom died pretty early on in the pandemic, she was 77 and had almost no gray hair. Um, and here I am just turned 48 less than a week ago. My hairlines where it's always been. I just found my first gray mm-hmm. hairs, you know, in my right sideburn right below my ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I kind of lucked out in that regard. I've also, I have to tell you a funny story. I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe longer than that. Uh, I get a text message from a friend of mine. She says, um, Hey, I heard a rumor about you. And I'm like, Oh shit. Who am I stooping? Who, who did I, you know, what did I do? Who did I? And she says, no, I was talking to my, her, her sister uh, was involved with a, a colleague of mine and said, no, we, we heard that you use this really expensive eye cream and that's why you don't look your age. And I had to laugh because that was back before, you know, that was back when I was using whatever chaffa, like cheap, you know, whatever mm-hmm. my wife brought home from Walgreens, I would just use because in mm-hmm. the desert, you you, you yeah. learn one time. You miscalculate. Well, I've been here almost twenty five years, but mm-hmm. I've been really good about moisturizing for a good ten fifteen years. And I and mm-hmm. I wear a hat, you know, if I'm going to be outside. Um, but I I kind of it's kind of a long way around saying I just assume the things that I look at, things like hairline and wrinkles around my eyes, or maybe some of the things that men, you know, I, I don't imagine men are getting lips. So I might be kind of weird. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if men are getting lip fillers. <laughs> Um, I'll just leave it at that. 
Um, uh-huh. But I do have to give a little bit of a shout out. You and I, you and I discovered last week that we use some of the same line of products. I have to give a shout out to another, not in our class, but a couple of years younger. That's a girl that grew up in my neighborhood, Susie Park. I, she's an esthetician oh. uh, in the Dulles area, and she's the one who recommended the IS Clinical brand of stuff that I'm now using a face wash and an eye cream. And I just use I just bought some 25 SPF L'Oreal at at Walgreens. I use for my regular. Mm-hmm moisturizer and i tell you another funny story um you know ever since my mom died my two sisters and my dad and i do a facetime call every sunday night and i was you know so sundays i i I usually put the bike in front of the tv and get a good ride in during one of the games or i'll do my workout with my maces and clubs and so after i do that and i shower and i eat and i I hydrate and everything i you know i start to get a little lubed up for sunday night and sunday night football and and -hmm. i think i was just on a roll uh and i was on this call and I had just gotten that the IS clinical products and Mm -hmm. I happened to let the look on my dad's face. when I told him I spent $90 on eye cream was beyond priceless. Um, and he's not the most, he's not the most overly like macho, like what his, and his reaction was, why do you need to look young? (laughs) You know, but I, like I said, I can't even describe it, but the look on his face was priceless. Um, disbelief. But and I actually just reordered. Um, I just reordered a, uh, the IS Clinical Eye Cream, and of course, that's something that you have to do every day, right? Which take me through what you would recommend, just in oh general, for for a yeah. man or woman late forties for a daily yeah. skincare routine. Well, I definitely um, I'm all about prevention. Obviously, like internally first, you gotta watch your diet. You gotta exercise. Like those are the big things. The big damagers of damagers is that a word of skin would be sun and smoke and stress you can't control stress as much none of us can do that right now but um but smoking is the worst thing you can do for your skin and sun is one of the most damaging things to your skin so prevention of the sunscreen every day absolutely that is like one of my every day i don't care if you see it if it's dark and if it's dark out put it on still just keep you do it every day um, a decent cleanser, something that's not going to dry your skin, don't put soap on your face. Just don't. I, I've, my male patients tend to be, they like a little bit more streamlined, a little bit easier, you know, something kind of quick. I have a lot of female patients that are like that too. I, don't get me wrong. I just find that men have a harder time with doing a routine. Like you were saying, there, there's this generational thing of like, why do you care? You know, we, we, it's rugged. No, men care about their skin too. They do. And they care about their appearance. Um, something that is going to help combat sun and damage. Also like a vitamin C serum is important. Just started using um, that like two or three and, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I saw that. I was like, good for you. You are like on it. And then moisture, definitely. Uh, moisture is important. As we get older, we just lose it. It's just, and where you are, so much more important oh, it's, that you use some sort of barrier. It's it's so it's so pronounced here. Like I I I mean I remember moving out here and I just started. I would have to use um, I I went from using soap to a body wash just it, for starters. Okay. And then I, I even before I started moisturizing my face, I have to moisturize my legs because they feel dry. And and you know <laughs> and I I love the fact that you know in the summertime here it's 105 degrees with seven percent humidity. Um, mm. I'll take that any day over humidity. Um, mm-hmm. but you do have, you have to moisturize and maybe it's more pronounced. I notice it, uh, with my tattoos. I have to, I, I put coconut mm-hmm. oil every day. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my younger daughter is African-American and it's, you know, being mm-hmm. white parents, I'm always very self-conscious about, I don't want her leaving the house with ashy skin. And <laughs> I noticed one time we either went on vacation. Well, we usually, you know, the wife has summers off, so we'll either go on vacation together and I'll come back and she stays for two weeks or she goes for two weeks and I catch up with her. But I couldn't believe how healthy, how much healthier the little one's skin looked just by being in the humidity. Um, yeah, you know. know, and it's just so much easier, but I think to me, I, and I, and I have to, I have to really have to, you know, have to give the, all the credit to my wife. I wouldn't be doing any of this shit if it wasn't for her. Like I wouldn't put, I wouldn't be moisturizing. I wouldn't be taking care of anything, but I will say it's kind of taken on a little bit of a life, a life of its own. Now, how often should I be, uh, uh, exfoliating? Um, so exfoliation is another thing that's sort of interesting. That was a, the other piece I was going to bring up. There's chemical exfoliation and manual exfoliation. So chemical is going to be done with some sort of acid. It's fruit acids, that's um, alpha hydroxy, beta hydroxy, for example, or um, retinoic acid, glycolic acid. There's lots of them. There's so many. It's very confusing. I get it. But find something that sort of works for you at first. Um, that's chemical exfoliation can technically be done every day, but not everybody can tolerate it every day. Um, and what that's doing is just so you understand is it's sort of tricking your skin into acting young. It's, it's, it's accelerating the cell turnover from those healthy pink cells underneath that are deep in the skin to the surface. So the reason why we start to look older, you know, right. And it happens around 30 is that cell turnover process slows down a lot. And so by the time you're in your 30s, you start noticing, I'm getting brown spots. I'm getting dullness to my skin. I'm getting maybe some fine lines and wrinkles. My pores look a little bigger. All of those things are because that process is slowing down. So it's sort of tricking the process into to thinking you're a little bit, your skin's a little younger. So that's what that is. Manual exfoliation would be using something with uh, a, a little bit of a, a grain to it or even a washcloth. That's manual exfoliation. You have to be careful with that because not every skin can tolerate it. Some people have redness or broken capillaries in their skin and that can, or rosacea, inflammatory skin conditions that can really irritate the skin. So you have to be careful. When we were young, it was like the uh, um, St. Ives uh, apricot scrub. Exactly. That, on our faces. That, is, that is crushed apricot. Nobody should put in don't even put that on your body. <laughs> I, you know what? And I actually, and I'm like, why did we do that? I was using that up until very recently, and I, I would, I would exfoliate. I don't, you know, I across the nation, law enforcement agencies have started to relax, you know, standards on facial hair, and, and um, you know, thankfully yeah. for me, I don't grow the thickest beard, so I've usually been able to get away with shaving twice a week and be and pushing the envelope a little bit. But I would, I would always exfoliate after I, on the day that I shaved. Uh, or, or every other. So it was about once a week. And actually, just in the last probably two or three months since I started with this new skincare regimen, I'm shaving almost every day because I feel like if I have a three-day stubble, it's not, it, not only does it feel weird when I put a moisturizer on, but it's probably not getting mm-hmm. where it needs to go. Getting in there. Um, yeah, and men, men have that as, that is a good thing for, for men because that, that's a form of exfoliation. So shaving, we talked about the other, the other day, exfoliation with a razor is a new kind of trend in uh, skincare. Um, it's called dermal planing, and it's actually using a razor to get off that dead layer of skin. So you're doing that every day. That is interesting. Hey, um, mm-hmm. without being too biased, how mm-hmm. much do you, could you get by with just using products you find at Walgreens? How much, how much better benefit am I getting spending what I'm spending on, on the brand that I'm using? 
So the, the issue, I have nothing against over-the-counter products. I really don't. And I know my reps don't want to hear me say that, and my probably my practice doesn't want to hear me say that either. But listen, everybody has a budget, and that's the other thing is this budget process. Yes, the girls from uh, And Just Like That have everything at the tip of their fingers. They can use the most expensive stuff. Not everybody can do that. But everybody can take care of their skin. And yes, you can use over-the-counter sunscreen. Use it. You know, as long as you're using something, there are good, decent cleansers over, over the counter. Um, the problem you get in, in, you know, some of, even, we call them over-the-counter products that are like the um, department store brands are very expensive, but they don't have a lot of active ingredient in them. And so when I'm, like, my science brain goes, yeah, but what's in that? Are you paying for packaging? Or are you paying for the active ingredient in the product? And so that's where you're, like, your innovative skincare lines, your skin medical lines. Like, those lines are important because they actually are, do have some science behind them, and they really do spend a lot of, of money on their research and development, not just their packaging. So there are some key pieces, like your retinols, like your um, peels, like your, um, some of your procedures, like everyone buys things on Amazon now. I'm just going to tell you right now, be careful what you do, because an online uh I've heard people buying lasers online. Like, how are you buying a laser? That's not even approved by the FDA. It does matter. Like, some of those pieces do matter. Some of them don't. We are running real short on time. One thing I did want to make sure sure. not not to forget. Do you ever... Have you ever turned somebody away? Or have you ever talked somebody out of trying to get a treatment because they look a little bit too much like a Charlotte York? Like you've, you've, you look stupid. You look ridiculous. I mean, you're obviously not going to say that you could be more diplomatic about it, but have you ever run into a situation like that where you really, you seriously felt the need to try to talk somebody out of, out of something? Sure. Many times. Um, so my, I think part of my, um, uh, my heart (laughs) goes out to people because there is, um, so much that is, that, is online that looks a certain way. I'm going to tell you half of it are filters. Half of it is not reality, but in our brains, that is what we're trained to believe is the, the aesthetic. That is, that is the, the representation of beauty. And it's hard as a woman, again, as you're aging, it's, it's difficult. However, there is also, I think a little dysmorphia that happens, which is where you don't literally don't perceive your physical or body features the way that other people see you. Most people see themselves worse than other people see them, really. Or they see the problems that other people don't see. Right. And so that's what happens with when people get overdone, that's what's going on. It's overdone. It's too much. And someone is not telling them no. And that's not okay. I feel a social responsibility to say, and you have to be gentle. But yes, I have done that before. I had a lady a couple weeks ago that had just had something done and I, I have seen her before, but she, she, I, I told her no, or I told her, let's, let's hold off a little bit. And she went and got it done anyway, because in her brain, she needed to have it done. And somebody was willing to take her money. And that's a travesty because she looks weird now, like really looks odd. And I, you do have to be delicate in how you say it, but it can be said. I don't advise this now as your, as, as your trusted practitioner, I don't advise this right now. And some people are going to say, okay, I, I trust you. I, I think you look good, and I think your other patients look good. And some people aren't. They're going to find a place to go. They're always going to find a place to go, and there's you know always willing mm-hmm. somebody that's willing to take their money. Kara Bagranoff, mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough. I was mm-hmm. looking forward to this episode uh, ever since you know you agreed to do it. 
and I've, I've had a hell of a fun time. I know we went a little bit longer than I said that we normally go, but I, I kind of anticipated that. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoy your weekend uh, freezing your ass off with your husband. <laughs> um, and I really Thank look forward. So I really look forward to this episode will be out Tuesday, February 1st. 2022 ladies and gentlemen i thank you for listening to this episode of the square peg podcast and we're going to be back uh every tuesday uh we will program note also my producer is uh going to be doing some globe trotting in the month of february so we're probably going to go on a two or three week hiatus uh because she takes care of all things square peg podcast uh after i i hit the record button i do the interview and then i end it she takes care of everything else so we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus in mid-February, but that just means that uh, you'll have that much more time to look forward to more episodes. Uh, thank you for being with us, and we will see you next time on the Square Peg Podcast, where we interview mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less trail. Hey, if you are having a wedding uh, and you need a photographer or videographer, if you are a local artist in the southern New Mexico or West Texas area and you uh, need a video, a music video made, uh, a real good place to go is my, my friend Isaac Powell Fox's business, Palomar Productions. Uh, they're located pretty close to Las Cruces downtown. And uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram and all those different places. Uh, you can also get them at uh, www.palomora.com for all your weddings, music videos, and anything else you need a professional videographer or photographer. The Square Peg Podcast, proudly produced by Las Cruces Today.com and Bravo Mike Communications.